Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to global news in social artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and my guest today is Grant Raphael. And I think, Grant, you're down in Louisiana these days. Hi. Yes, sir. I live in uh, Denham Springs, Louisiana. It's about, uh, about an hour, hour and a half away from New Orleans. And is that because of school or is that uh, your home turf? Uh, I grew up in Hammond, Louisiana, which is just about the same distance from New Orleans and uh, graduated from LSU. And afterwards, I just moved to Denham Springs and that's where I'm at right now. I was actually planning on moving and then COVID-19 hit. So I kind of took a little pause on some plans. So We'll see how things unfold going to the future. A lot of people had to hit the pause or reset button, uh, haven't they? I didn't mention that uh, the, the focus of our show is building a more humane world from the inside out. And you've had uh, a lifetime, let's see, I'm going to guess maybe a third of my lifetime <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to work on that. Can you give a little bit of your story as we go and we'll just kind of have a conversation and see where it leads us? You know, my story, I was always just blessed because I grew up knowing what I wanted to do with my life. I just always wanted to, to help people to make, you know, the world a better place. So naturally, I just wanted to become a doctor. And that was until my sophomore year at LSU, while I was studying for medical school, when I suddenly got sick with West Nile encephalitis. And for those of you that don't know, it's a disease I got from a mosquito that caused massive inflammation to my brain and my nervous system. Uh, I started having seizures like every other night. I was in and out of the hospital, chronic fatigue, chronic migraines. Uh, of course, the doctors told me, they said, Grant, you know, there's nothing, there's no cure for West Nile. They just gave me medication for the symptoms, which my body became addicted to. Hmm. And if that's about two and a half years of unsuccessful treatments, when my doctors told me, they said, Grant, you know, we tried absolutely everything we could, and you're just going to have this handicap for the rest of your life. Uh -huh. And I just refused to believe that. I just, uh, it didn't make sense to me that you would just randomly get sick and then bam, your life is just on the slow decline. So it was about early 2015, I started taking control of my own health. So I changed my diet. I started exercising on a regular basis, and I really started praying and meditating at the end of every day. I just, I really wanted to understand who I was as Grant Raphael. I wanted to understand what my triggers were. I wanted to understand what made me sad. Why was I angry? What, why would I be jealous of someone else? Mm -hmm. And it was during this time, uh, I just remember one night I was praying. And as I was praying, I saw myself as a fragment of energy, and I saw other people as fragments as well. We were all connected to this greater collective whole. And I remember I was just praying to God, and I said, you know, God, life's not about me. It's not about my individual fragment. It's about all of us. It's about the collective. And I told God, I said, you know, I don't care if I die alone. I don't care if I die poor. I don't care if I, you know, I never get healed. I don't care about any of that. I said, I just want to make the world a better place. And as I was praying, I even went so far as to say, I said, God, you know, I'd be willing to sacrifice my life if it means helping others and helping the collective. 
And I said that, but then ask myself, well, did I mean it? Mm-hmm. You know, anybody could say, oh, I'd take a bullet for you, but when push comes to shove and someone has a, their hand on the trigger, would you actually jump out in front? And so I wanted to know this to be true. I wanted to make sure what I was saying was right. So I kind of recentered myself and I was just like praying and meditating and I was just going deeper and deeper within myself, you know, past the ego, past Grant Raphael. I wanted to ask my inner soul, would I truly be willing to sacrifice my life for others? And as I was digging in deeper, as I was searching, I connected to the part of me that I never knew was there. And when I made that connection and I responded, yes, I would, in a snap, it's like I felt this energy whirling up all around me. And I no longer saw myself as an individual fragment, but I saw myself as a collective whole. And I understood that not only are we all connected to everyone, everything in the universe, but that's, that's really who we are in our core. And at that moment, I was physically, mentally, emotionally healed. Uh, since that day, I've had no complications from West Nile. Uh, I haven't had a seizure, no chronic uh, migraines, no chronic fatigues. Uh, I was seeing a doctor at the time on a month-to-month basis, and after a few months, he was like, Grant, I don't know what happened, but you don't need to see me anymore, and I haven't seen a doctor since 2015, and so I realized, you know, just how true it is, how interconnected we all are, you know, when Jesus said, love thy neighbor as thyself, he, he meant it very literally, you know, he didn't say, oh, love black people as your brother and white people as a good family friend. He said, no, love that neighbor as thyself because the same fragment that's within me is the same fragment that's within you. And we're all connected to this greater collective whole. And basically since then, I've decided to um, no longer pursue medical school and to help people connect to their innermost self so that they can take control of their own health. They can take control of their own life. They can truly understand who we are at our core. What a story. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> so many uh, things were clicking through my mind, and uh, you've told your story numerous times, I can tell. Thank you. And it's funny because, honestly, whenever I was, it first happened, when I was first healed, I actually kept it to myself because I just didn't think people would believe me. I didn't think people would really understand it. And so for the longest time, for a good two years, I didn't really explain it to too many people. And um, do you know who Steve Harrison is? No. Okay. Um, but he, he owns this, um, it's like a network marketing program. And it was at one of those conferences where I met uh, Dr. Clint Rogers, who I know you know. Uh-huh. Um, but in it, they were saying how, you know, it's almost like we're being selfish if we keep our stories to ourselves. And I realized I was doing an injustice because I was like, man, like, you know, other people truly do need to know this because you know, it's not just me that was able to do it. It's anybody that can do it. And, you know, for me, it was West Nile, but for somebody else, it could be, you know, cancer, diabetes, or COVID-19, or even if someone's struggling with addiction or depression, anxiety, or trauma, whatever it is, if we are able to connect to who we are at our core, we can overcome any of those afflictions. And now that's just what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to tell my story, help people to understand. I'm also kind of a scientific nerd myself. So I started looking into quantum mechanics and I realized that a lot of modern day science actually validates a lot of supernatural phenomenon, a lot of Eastern teachings. And so that's why my book that I'm writing right now, Make the Universal Connection, The Science of Spirituality, it basically shows how science and spirituality are two 
sides of the same coin and how the East and the West can actually complement each other and come together and explain more about who we are and the world we live in. Wonderful, wonderful. You, you've had folks that have come before you that uh, have had experiences of connecting East and West. One that comes to mind, Alan Watts is a name that some of our listeners will recall. And I don't know, have you come across any of Alan Watts's books, uh, East Meets West or things like that, that go into the philosophies? I haven't necessarily read his books, mm -hmm. but I, I do know his teaching and I have looked into his research. And, you know, again, that's uh, what I love so much is that when I look into these top quantum mechanics people, you know, Max Planck, Albert Einstein, Nikola Tesla, all these scientific people, and they're saying with all this research, it's like the physical world starts breaking down into like a lot of this lines up with a lot of the Eastern teachings. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that really kickstarted like light a signal in me was how you know buddha says oh with our thoughts we create our reality and you know people say oh we're all co-creators of the world we live in and that's exactly what quantum mechanics is showing us especially in the experiment it's called the the double slit experiment otherwise known as the observer effect and it basically shows that through our direct observation we actually collapse the reality around us and we are responsible for creating the physical reality we live in and this one experiment just blew the scientific community like to pieces because you know everything seemed so simple kind of dry and we started realizing man the universe is a lot weirder and a lot more complex than we ever imagined my wife uh, has a master's in physics so i i get the benefit of her uh, interests and passions and uh, books that she reads and we have conversations on those very subjects and so mm -hmm. really appreciate it i'm in tune with co-creating and uh, we all do it every day we just don't realize that that's what we're doing with every thought that we have every uh, exactly every decision whether the decision is automatic from our habits of uh, subconscious control or whether it's a this is an intentional, I really, I'm deciding to do this. <laughs> You're probably uh, in tune with the uh, te teachers that are telling us in science now how up to 95 plus percent of our behaviors are automatic due to all of these uh, subconscious <sighs> habits that get built from conception on, both physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually, it's a real beautiful, rare thing to be able to make a real decision on our own, <laughs> which I believe is what you did in your experience uh, of meditating and, and having that prayer conversation with uh, your God that brought about that uh, decision. Exactly. And, um, you know, we're always creating, co-creating the world that we live in, but most of us are running on autopilot, so we don't even realize what we're doing. It's all subconscious, where people are focused on the, the nine-to-five job, and then, you know, they get home, they eat dinner, and, you know, on the weekends, it's like, oh, the time to relax, and then it just repeats, and we, people get stuck in this loop, this loop, this loop, not realizing that what we're actually doing, we can consciously create and consciously do it as well, and everything about our thoughts and intentions uh, one of my favorite uh, experiments and teachings is uh, Dr. Emoto's water thought experiment, you know, where it's like they had the uh, three glasses of water. She said, one, I love you. 
one I hate you, and then one was neutral. And he would pray. And on the one he said, I love you, he'd say, you know, like, I love you, I care about you, and like spend all this love towards it. So one, the one labeled I hate you said, I hate you, you're disgusting, you're, you know, you revolt me, all these negative things. And then the control he kept the same. And when they froze it and they looked at the ice crystals, the one he said, I love you, it was like perfect symmetry. It looked like a perfect snowflake kind of thing. The one he said, I hate you, was all distorted. It was all messed up looking. And then the control was average. And that experiment shows that it's literally our thoughts and our intentions actually do have an effect on our reality. And it just makes you think anytime you say, oh, I love you, bless you, how you're helping that person. But then if you say, I hate you, you're disgusting, you're awful, what kind of effect are you having on those people? And it's just understanding how we interact and affect not only each other, but the world we live in. It's something that not very many people truly understand. I know a lot of it is like, you have to truly mean it with like, you know, full intention. Whereas if somebody just goes, oh, well, let's see if this experiment works. Okay, I love you. Okay, I hate you and it keeps the same. You have to actually truly mean it with your actual intentions. And it's more of your, it's more of your heart than your, your lips and your brain, if that makes sense. Okay. How did you grow up? Were you in a, a, a church family that uh, instilled in you the uh, idea of service and uh, helping the world? I mean, honestly, I'm just blessed with my family. Uh, amazing parents, great sisters. Uh, we've always just been a good uh, family. And uh, I grew up Catholic. Uh, we were never super serious about church. And actually, um, honestly, by the time I was probably about in high school, we kind of, you know, kind of start, you know, we'd go on Christmas and Easter kind of thing. But uh, one thing that's interesting about me is that I grew up seeing ghosts and spirits all the time. Uh, I remember being oh, no more than five years old. And I started seeing like little ghosts and spirits in me and my sister's room. And, you know, I was always scared of them. And uh, I remember one time my, our neighbor's dog got ran over. And that night, actually, I saw it running around in our front yard as like a little spirit. And uh, I've just had plenty of experiences, honestly, growing up. Uh, I've had experiences seeing, you know, different ghosts, spirits, uh, felt, you know, honestly, demons, negative entities, but I've also experienced with different angels. And so I grew up just always being aware of the supernatural just from, you know, like I said, just, just seeing everything. And so I always believed in God, especially growing up Catholic. And I would, you know, pray to God before I ate uh, or like, you know, pray for water. Um, I'd always pray before going to sleep at night. But it wasn't until my experience with West Nile that I actually truly felt his presence and really understood that God is real and that God is alive and that, you know, he exists within us and through us, like we're connected to absolutely just everything in the universe. And it's, 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 it's always difficult because it's one thing to read and say, oh, everyone's connected. Oh, you know, love that neighbor as thyself. But then it's another thing when you actually experience it and feel it to be true. And then you say, okay, I know beyond the doubt, we really are connected in the greater scheme of things. Ask you a Bible question. Are you familiar with the book of John, mm -hmm. chapter 17, where Jesus uh, makes a prayer to his father? And as we have it recorded in the prayer, he says, uh, make them 
one as you and I are one. So he's praying that to God. And so there's this uh, message of, what was that uh, collective you called it at the beginning? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You And we're on Zoom, so I could see your hands go up and make a like a ball of uh, energy. Uh, so it the language that uh, is there in that book of John 17 and, and touched on in other places uh, gives a sense that there is this unity that we can attain. And it seems as though some are able to attain that sooner than others. Uh, whether it takes uh, a, a situation like yours with a disease that uh, a mosquito comes along and uh, da 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 da, and oh, here's here's Grant, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, you you have to then kind of wonder, well, did God send that mosquito to uh, <laughs> get me ready to uh, you know give me the humility to <laughs> you know our minds just go kind of crazy sometimes with how. How much in control is this uh, thing we call God, or, or are we all in the collective? Are we all as a collective God? Or, you know, there's, it's great to, to try to understand the mystery of it all, even though we fall short often, <laughs> probably most of the time, uh, being able to really understand it. Do you remember when you decided to go to med school or to be pre-med? I mean, honestly, I was about five years old when I decided I wanted to become a doctor. I, oh, I don't five. remember. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I don't remember a time when I didn't want to become a doctor. I was oh. just, and you know, my dad's a doctor, by the way, but my parents never pressured me. Um, honestly, it's just, it's just the heart that I have where I said, you know, I literally just, I just want to help people. I'm like, what's, you know, in my mind, what's the number one way to help people? You help them heal by becoming a doctor, and so that was just that's just that was my mindset the entire time. And the thing is, I still love doctors and I still respect them so much. But you know, after I was healed, you know, by connecting to everything that's within me, I, I was still uh, I was a senior in college at that point, and I asked myself, I'm like, okay, so do I still want to go into medical school, or do I want to pursue this other way to just show people, hey, we don't, you know have to conform to, to Western medicine. And uh, I was just, you know, still kind of on the fence. So uh, took the MCAT, um, did the first round of applications to med school, but the whole time I was just like praying and praying. And, you know, after I'd already had a few experience, uh, spiritual experiences and um, I ended up having some more and I, I really felt called. I was like, you know what? I think I can make a bigger impact by going my own route by becoming a speaker by writing this book, then going to medical school, because again, medical school is great, doctors are great, but if I committed to medical school, I would have been in school for, you know, eight plus years with my nose in the book. I would have been busy, 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 stress, stress, stress. And instead of going that route, I'm able to have time to where I'm actually, you know, like meditation's big for me, prayer is big for me, really understanding myself, the world we live in is very important to me. And so I was able to grow so much and I, I, I try not to, you know, belittle others, but there's, there's things that I've come to know that even the top doctors don't necessarily know. 
And, you know, again, when it comes to West Nile, they say, oh, according to the top medicine, there's no cure. And I'm saying, well, there's a cure for everything. You know, there, there's nothing that can't be overcome. And then backtracking a little bit, you know, you're talking about, oh, well, did I get the mosquito for a reason? And it's, it's funny because uh, and I can pat myself on the back a little bit because even when I was sick, when I was having the seizures and I was miserable and people come up to me and they're like, oh, Grant, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm sorry you're going through this. I said, no, 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 like, don't feel sorry for me. I'm like, I'm going through this for a reason. I'm going to grow stronger from this. It's building me for something. Uh, I didn't know it was going to be this. I didn't know I was going to be healed. I didn't know I would actually, you know, like feel the connection with God. But I just knew that there was a reason for it. And, you know, now that I'm healed and now just everything that's been happening the past few years of my life, I've just been blessed after blessed. And so I tell people, you know, getting West Nile was the best thing that's ever happened to me. And, um, and like, I, I tell people, I'm like, everyone has their own West Nile story, you know? So I, I was sick, but I grew up in with, you know, amazing parents, great sisters. I was the youngest, I was the baby in the family. So I was spoiled, you know, like every, I always had everything I ever needed, but some people, maybe they were never sick. Maybe they never got West Nile, but they grew up with an abusive dad or they grew up without a mom or some tragedy happened or something happened in their childhood. And so I believe everyone has a certain, um, uh, I don't know if breaking points the word or the rock bottoms word or whatever it is, but everyone goes through certain struggles in life so that they can grow stronger and overcome those. And it gives everyone the opportunity to really search within and ask themselves what's truly matters, what's truly important in their lives. And that's just my philosophy, um, how we each individually have our own paths and circumstances. Yes. Part of my interest in when you decided to be a doctor is that I was pre-med myself, but okay. I, didn't, I didn't have that uh, vision or focus on that particular work until high school when I read a book, and it was a book about a medical missionary. And that resonated with all those things that had been around in my subconscious <laughs> somehow. Uh, and, oh, yeah, that's it. That, that's what I want to do. But organic chemistry saved me from a medical school. <laughs> and uh, then I, I, I got accepted to uh, Yale Divinity School. But the draft saved me from that. So, wow. Uh, it was like I was making these decisions, but, uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and, and life uh, then moved me around and, and I became a, a college health and wellness teacher. Okay. And I couldn't, in looking back, imagine a more fulfilling career. Uh, like, wow, how did that ever come to be? You know, it was just part of those miracles of, uh, you know, who's really in charge here? Because <laughs> uh -huh. I wasn't uh, saying, oh, I'm going to be this or that on teaching. That was, that was such an, to me, an accident that uh, I just fell into it, uh, literally. I've had a number of people on this show, by the way, that surprised me in their stories of seeing and, and having these spiritual experiences at a very young age, uh, whether it's uh, having dreams that uh, are things that actually took place uh, the next day or seeing ghosts or seeing uh, 
things that we try to put labels on and know that it's mm -hmm. beyond what every other person has seen. And then, you know, you start reading books about people from history. And one of our favorites is a, a book about uh, a woman in Ireland. And she grew up in a family of healers. And she could see into that other realm mm -hmm. as a little girl. And it was just, it was just part of her vision of being able to see and talk and have conversations. So, you know, we get, like you said, so caught up with our busy, busy, busy day to day, habit, 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 do this, do that, that somehow we either have lost or, or haven't uh, found a way to get into that place to see what's there. So in your book that you're writing, can you give us some sneak previews of how you would tell folks that they can do that? Definitely. Uh, real quick, one of, the, one of the biggest reasons why I decided to take this direction in the book where it's, you know, the science and spirituality, it's a, it's a little bit what you were just saying about how, you know, so I grew up seeing ghosts and spirits all the time. I mean, uh, trust me, I was legitimately traumatized until my early 20s with a lot of my experiences. And I was talking to one of my good friends one time and somehow ghosts got brought up and he's like, oh, well, I don't know if I believe in ghosts because he's never seen one. I was like, oh, really? And so I told him, you know, like this story and that story and this story and a, a detailed one where there was a spirit that, you know, was walking around my bed for an hour and a half. And like I said, like traumatized me and like all these things that I knew to be true. And after I told him all these stories, he goes, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, I mean, I don't know if they exist. I mean, he's like, I just never experienced it. And it just kind of, it just blew my mind a little bit. Cause like, I understood where he was coming from, but it's like, how could I know something to be a fact? I know something beyond a doubt that ghosts and spirits exist, but because he had never seen it, he doesn't know, you know, he has no way. And then he says, you know, well, so where's the physical proof kind of thing? And it's like, well, how do you have physical proof? And, um, and it just something that really, it just kind of triggered something in me. And so that's when I started looking into all these quantum mechanics and like all this research. And I realized, man, a lot of these things line up with my spiritual experiences experiences with others and even things in, you know, Eastern philosophy and even in the Bible. And uh, probably one of the biggest ones uh, outside of the whole, you know, how we create our own reality. There's a theoretical physicist, but his name was David Bohm. Yeah, and he was David a real uh -huh. pioneer, came up with some amazing ideas. Mm -hmm. And uh, him and a neuroscientist called, called Pribram, they came up with the holoflex theory of consciousness which states that our minds exist within a state of a hologram. Mm -hmm. Now, by basic definition of a hologram, if you have a holographic plate with 100 units of information and you cut it in half, each half still contains all 100 units of information, but at a lower resolution. So you can keep on cut, divide, cut, divide, cut, divide. And even if you get a small piece of that original picture, theoretically, it still contains all 100 units of information just at a lower resolution. And the thing is, you can compare this to human society where we say, okay, so we're all connected. We're all part of that collective whole. But instead of 100 units of information, it's an infinite number of information. And because we've been so divided and we're such these small fragments, all the information in the universe within us 
but it's at such a low resolution that we just we're just not aware of it we just mm. don't realize it mm -hmm. and i truly believe without a doubt in my mind that that's what i was able to connect to in that experience when i realized oh there's this little fragment of me but this fragment is me is really connected to all of this to everything in the world and everything in the universe and so we have these quantum mechanics explaining a very real spiritual phenomenon and again you know love that neighbor as thyself you know we're all a part of this together so it's understanding well like on a very literal level we are all connected to not only each other but the greater whole so let's explore connected and uh who we really are <laughs> uh it it sounds to me and it's probably because it i see what i believe therefore i'm hearing something that resonates with something I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody else may be listening to this show and they hear what you say differently mm -hmm. because of their perception, their beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. So I hear you in a way of saying, okay, I am an individual pod of consciousness mm -hmm. that is looking out uh, through these words and teachings that I've been given and uh, through a, a physical uh, set of senses and, and emotions that come through all of that. Mm. And occasionally I get to make decisions <laughs> about how these things work. And yet I, as a part of consciousness, am connected to all consciousness. So I'm an individual yet energetically connected to all. Am I um, saying something similar to what you're saying? Definitely. I mean, that's, that's pretty much exactly how I feel is that, you know, we're each these pods of consciousness, we're each these little fragments. Um, and I guess one of the ways I like to explain, I'm not saying that it's perfect. Let's say you have 10 people together. So you have these 10 different pods of consciousness. But whenever there's 10 people are together, the way I like to say it, it's really, it's 10 plus one, because it's those 10 individual pods, but then that plus one is that collective that they're all connected to. So if you imagine this big ball collective, then there's, here's one pod, here's one pod, here's one pod, one, 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 one. So here's this 10, and then here's the plus one of the collective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I need to send you a, a picture that I put together for my book. <laughs> Maybe I'll just send you my book. Uh, we, we have a lot in common. It's really fascinating. I, I'm loving this. And, and I don't think the audience realizes that we've never met before. <laughs> we, uh, uh, as close as a meeting as we had was you were on a Zoom call and maybe said uh, your, a bit of your story for maybe two minutes. And I saw your name and I thought, wow. I feel drawn to follow up and see if I can interview this guy. <laughs> so it was the Ancient Secrets uh, Zoom group that we mm -hmm. met uh, briefly on. Mm -hmm. Good, good. This is this is fascinating. I love it. I, I love to see unity of different ages and different ethnicities and different mm -hmm. parts of the country. And, you know, how, how could we have such a similar viewpoint it's it's 
as an old guy, it's very encouraging. <laughs> I'm an OG, you know, <laughs> old guy. Speaking of ancient secrets, uh, how did you get, you said you, you were brought to that through Steve Harrison? Was that your lead yes. in? So going off of that is actually a, a very interesting story how it all came together. So it was in 2015 that I was healed. Uh, it was in 2016 after a few more experiences when I was like, you know what? I'm like, uh, I'm like, spirituality is my career. Like understanding what's going on in the world, understanding myself, understanding exactly how I was here, how all these things come together. I said, that's my career. And so um, that's whenever I officially decided to say, you know what, I'm no longer going to medical school. And I would literally just wake up, and pray, meditate, and research every single day for, for several months. And uh, that's where actually I got most of my quantum mechanics uh, knowledge and documentaries and all this kind of stuff. And during all this, um, you know, came across the hollow flux theory of consciousness, how we're all these individual pods. But I found one where it actually shows how we can have a, um, an evolution in consciousness to where if, again, say you have 10 people, you know, there's 10 pods, and let's say if three of them are able to really connect to who they are at their core, if they're able to connect to that plus one within themselves, it helps ignite that plus one in the other seven people. And so it really only takes those three people to start making it easier for the other seven to make that connection. And of course, that's a small number, but if we think on a global level, if you have a certain percentage of the population make that connection within themselves, it can have an effect and spread out to the, the entire population of the world. And, um, and I felt really drawn to this. Um, and there's, you know, there's experiments on it. Guy won the Nobel Peace Prize for it, like all these things. And I came up with myself as a man, um, I came up with this theory and I said, yeah, we can have a a quantum leap in consciousness if enough people make this connection. Mm -hmm. uh, so fast forward a few months and I'm going through my emails and I see an email from this guy named Steve Harrison. Oh, how to speak for money, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh man, like, okay, I, I, I feel called to be a speaker. So I looked into it and it was like, you know, $5,000 for the program. And I'm like, uh, I can't really afford that. Um, but I was just interested in Steve Harrison and I got another email and the program was, uh, it said, if you feel like you have a book, if you have a business, or if you have a message that you want to spread out to, you know, to the world, you know, join this program. And I thought to myself, look, that sounds like me. I feel like I have a message. You know, I feel like I should write this book to reach a broad audience. And the program was called Quantum Leap. So I just thought it was funny. I'm like, man, that's my main theory is how we can have a quantum leap in consciousness. And then I found this program and uh, the program was very expensive. Honestly, I was on it. I was just working a front desk, making eight dollars an hour. Program was like twelve thousand dollars. So I was just like, okay, I'm like, is this a sign? Like, is this you know, should I take a leap of faith? And I uh, did a lot of praying, a lot of praying, and I was like, you know what? I feel called to do it. So um, just financially, things worked out in the perfect way. I was just barely able to make it. Uh, joined the program. And it was at one of the conferences uh, and they had a, like a little meeting and it was uh, spirituality in the workplace. What spirituality, um, how you use spirituality in your career, everyone sharing their stories, uh, much like the Zoom call that you and I met, I shared that same story. 
And afterwards, Dr. Clint came up to me and he was like, man, that's fantastic. He's like, man, that's some good stuff, blah, blah, blah. You know, he was telling me how much he liked my story. I was telling him how much I liked his story. Um, you know, all the things that ancient, you know, uh, secrets of the master healer, all that kind of stuff. And that's how we became friends. We exchanged contact information. And then that's whenever he had the global experiment group. And I was like, man, this is honestly exactly what I want. Because basically what it is, you know, you have these people all around the world, you know, different countries, and they all want to heal themselves. And again, with my theory about quantum leap and consciousness, if uh, all these people from around the world are able to heal themselves, connect it into themselves, that's going to like spread out to the world as a whole. So that's why I was drawn to it. And then because of that, we were able to meet and here we are. Hey, hey, I love it. I had a guest on uh, maybe a month or two ago, a woman who was part of the anti-nuclear uh, movement uh, back in the 70s and 80s. And she asked me if I knew of the little book called The Hundredth Monkey. Yep. And I said, yeah, yeah, I read it several times. It's uh, even free on, uh, you just Google it and you can read it right there online. So when you're talking about your theory of how it can multiply or magnify or is moved to the rest of the world, that seems to be the same as or similar to the hundredth monkey approach. And it, your nodding makes me think you've seen that story as well. Oh, yes, uh, I definitely have. Um, and that really was, um, it was that, and uh, I'll explain the experiment in a little bit, but it was really understanding that again, where it's like, okay, so it only takes that small percentage, it only takes a certain amount of people to ignite and create that change into the rest of the world. And, um, and that just makes me feel called to say, you know, everyone these days, they want to help change society, you know, oh, you know, all the chaos going on, we want to change society. But people forget that we are a part of society ourselves. So if you want to change society, we need to start changing ourselves. And we'll have a bigger impact by going into our rooms, locking the door, praying and meditating and connecting within, than going out and protesting and doing all this other stuff in the streets. We can actually have a bigger change connecting on the inside. And that's just something that a lot of people don't really realize. That's why this show focuses on building a more humane world from the inside exactly. out. So exactly. our, our hope is that we will do our inner work first and then we can take our projects and our actions out in a more loving and sound wise way which it sounds like you're working on on a daily basis do you have a community that you are i know you have the ancient secrets sort of it's a temporary feeling community in terms of how the zooms have been going do you have a, a local community in Louisiana or do you have a virtual community that you uh, are sharing ideas with and building? Uh, yes, I do. And that makes me um, uh, just want to tell the whole story of how I uh, came to that community in uh, Hammond, Louisiana. And uh, so it's funny, like I said, in 2015, uh, that's when I was healed. Uh, that was the first time that you know, again, grew up Catholic, so I would always pray to God, but it was 2015 when I actually, like, okay, God exists, like, I felt the presence of God around me, 
2016 is whenever I started taking spirituality seriously. But, you know, honestly, I wasn't really um, diving that much into uh, church or even into the Bible because just in my past experiences, I was kind of, I, I literally would tell myself, I would get more out of praying and meditating to myself for an hour than going to church for that hour. Um, and that, that's honestly how I felt. And then uh, it was last year, actually, I'm, uh, I was manager at a plant of fitness, actually, in Hammond, Louisiana. And I'm just cleaning up, filling bottles. I'm usually always thinking in my head, but I'm just filling up bottles. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up to me, and he just goes, oh, excuse me, sir. I just, uh, I just want to talk to you. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, what's going on? And he said, uh, he said I know this is going to sound weird. He said, but I'm a, I'm a pastor at a local church uh, called the Well of Life. And God is speaking to me right now, and God wants me to uh, connect with you. And, uh, and I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, he's like, I know this is going to sound weird. I know this sounds crazy. And by this point, I've already had plenty of spiritual experiences. I'm like, trust <laughs> me, like, this is not weird. Like, I'm used to this kind of stuff. And he told me, he's like, yeah. He said, God, show me your future. He said, God's saying that you're going to have a lot of speaking opportunities. You're going to be traveling a lot. And you're going to be a successful entrepreneur. And he goes, who are you? Like, he didn't know my name. He didn't know I was a manager. He didn't know at this point I'd already joined Quantum Leap and I actually had a conference that next month to go out to get speaking engagements, to travel, to meet business partners. So all those things that he, he, that was, he and he says himself, he's like, Brian, his name is Brian. He's like, I don't know. He's like, but God is telling me that about you. Mm -hmm. And me and him had a great conversation. He invited me to church. And I, I really actually, anytime I go to church, and I've been going um, pretty much every week now, but uh, I, I truly feel the presence of God. And I, and I know even more that God is, what, like, that he's real alive and that he knows us. And uh, the pastor, he's, you know, he's, he's an honest prophet where God can actually speak to him, where he can go up to somebody and he can say, God is saying A, B, C, D, and E about you. And A, B, C, D, and E are all true. And since then, I've just been um, going to that church. Um, I'm recognized as actually one of the leaders of the church. I've been inviting people in. And so now we actually have a, a, a solid group of people that I've been bringing in, people who some of them never knew God. Some of them uh, were in the church growing up, but stepped away and they're now just coming back. And so now we actually do have a tight knit uh, community and I'm actually, uh, at some point after this call, I'm going to, I live in Denham Springs, but I'm actually going to drive to Hammond to meet up with those people and, you know, worship together, talk to each other, share our stories. And so I do now have a, that local community close hand. Yeah. And then, of course, just people I meet like you, people, the Global Healing Experiment, and just other people I've been connected to all around the world. So I have a good mix of local and uh Glocal, I guess, <laughs> community. Glocal, I love it. <laughs> You're writing uh, about East and West, and we know that in the East, as you've already mentioned, there's more of a focus on Buddhism or Hinduism or Confucianism and, and Shinto and so on. How are you seeing that in your God consciousness? So... Going with all that, there's no doubt in my mind that Eastern philosophy really helped lead me to healing because uh, I think it was like early 2015 when my doctor said, hey, there's nothing more we can do for you. And it wasn't until, you know, months after, but that's when I started really looking to Eastern philosophy. 
I love the idea how it was like, you know, all suffering is just imbalancing ourselves. And so any kind of disease, it's something that you can basically pinpoint, acknowledge and transmute yourself. Whereas the Western philosophy was just kind of, oh, you have a heart, you know, heartache here, take this pill. Oh, you have this, take this pill. Oh, have this surgery. It was like a cause and effect kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I loved about Eastern words, understanding. So, so why are you sick? Why do you have anxiety? Why do you have this? And it just made me really, um, like I said, just understand myself, really understand my triggers. You know, if me and my roommate were getting into a fight, I would say, why did, why did him saying that? Like, why did that make me mad? Like, why, why would I get upset over that? And then, of course, I get mad. So then I say something purposely to make him mad. So then he gets mad and then boom, 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 boom. And so and I started acknowledging that. So then it got to the point where if he would say something that would normally make me mad, I would just say, well, okay, you know, and I would just keep it here. And then it would never escalate any further. Um, so from that standpoint, Eastern philosophy really, truly, honestly, and helped me. Now, the one thing that I will say and I'm trying to figure out the best way to put it is because I know a lot of East philosophy, they say, oh, you know, within us, you know, like we are God. And that is, it's, it's 100% true. But one thing that I noticed with a lot of Eastern philosophers is that they, uh, it kind of goes back to, like I said, with the, the 10 pots of consciousness and then the plus one. And a lot of people don't realize that, that that plus one is alive in itself, has its own personality, has its own consciousness. And that we as these pods, even though, you know, that plus one is within us, we as a pod can have a direct back and forth relationship with that plus one. And that's just something that people don't necessarily um, come to truly understand that, and like I said, have that relationship. And saying all this, it makes me, um, I want to share a specific dream that I've had. And uh, since I was healed, I've had many talks amongst God, I've had many prophetic dreams but this was one of the most, uh, the most impactful ones. And in the dream, I remember I was walking in a red cave. Uh, remember there was a few other people with me. It was almost like a field trip. And they had all these different portals that were all throughout the cave. And I remember I was just walking, walking, and I turned and I looked at a portal. And the second I looked through it, I saw my entire life from when I was born up until that day flash before my eyes. But in that time frame, I saw all the times that God was there with me. I saw him whenever I was alone. I saw him when I was speaking to other people. I saw him do different video games, do different movies. I saw him when I was at my highest. I saw him when I was at my lowest. And I really understood that throughout my entire life, there was this living, breathing consciousness that was with me ever since I was born. And it was just so beautiful. I became so emotional. Like in the dream, I just like fell down to my knees and I'm just like bawling crying. I'm just like, I'm just crying. Just like, I had no idea. Like I just never knew that my entire life, you know, that he was there, that there was something there with me, loving me the entire time that I was really never alone. And I remember, you know, in the dream, I'm just like bawling on the ground, like crying. And the other people that were with me, they were looking at me and they were just like, like, what's like, what's going on? Like, why is he like, why is he like on the ground? And I remember even like in the dream telling them like, because they hadn't seen my portal, they hadn't seen my life. They weren't seeing what I was saying. So they didn't understand, but it was just so powerful. It was just so impactful. And I remember just waking up and like still feeling that and just understanding like, man, like, even right now, if I were to stop and look around, that there's this consciousness, that there's this personality, that there, you know, is God that knows me and is with me every second of every day. And I know that's the same personality that healed me from my West Nile, 
Um, again, because even when I was healed, I didn't, I wasn't even saying, hey, heal me, hey, heal me. I just said, hey, God, here's, here's everything I want. I don't want my will. I want your will. And then, bam, I was healed. Um, it's the same personality that, you know, when the pastor at the gym, he said, hey, excuse me, sir. I know this is weird, but, you know, God wants me to talk to you. And God is saying A, B, C, and D. And A, B, C, and D are all correct. Continuing with all this, I've, I'll go to these worship sermons, I'll go to places, and random people who don't know my name, they'll come up to me and they'll tell me, hey, God's saying this about you. God's saying that um, I had different people tell me, this one person said, I see you flying to Asia, and Jesus is on the plane of you, and you're going to have a big uh, impact on the Asian province. And then a few weeks later, I had another person didn't know my name. He said, hey, I have um, God's showing me that you're going to have a big impact on people of the Buddhist faith. You're going to have a big impact on them. I've had people who don't know me. They say, God's saying you're going to be a great speaker. You're going to save so many lives. You're going to really touch people. You're going to really help people come to know that God is real and alive. And like I said, most of the time, these people don't even know me at all. But I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you're right. You're the fifth person to tell me that. And I know it's it's the same personality. It's that same plus one that's in my dreams, that's in my prayers, and it speaks to me through other people. And that's just something that I've come to know. And I know that's why I'm getting these speaking opportunities. I know I'm on these interviews to help preach and show that, you know, he is alive and he is real. And to a Buddhist, how would that be interpreted? Uh, how would they, you know, like I was saying before, we hear things through our own belief system. So do you feel as though there's some conversion that you're trying to uh, accomplish or finding the way they sense God and showing the commonness of it? The one thing that I, I will have to say, uh, everything I say, you know, I'm, I'm going to be basically judge for my words, you know, so everything I say, like, I want to be truthful, I don't want to twist anything, and I don't want to over-exaggerate anything. That being said, something that I know to be true is that, you know, Jesus Christ was real, that Jesus Christ loves us, and that he died for us, and so with these people, you know, where they're like, oh, you know, God's within us, and it's like, yes, he is, and like, we, we are God within ourselves, we can connect to that within us, but then a lot of people, they don't have that personal relationship with Jesus, and like I said, ever since I've been healed, I've had plenty of experiences. Um, and again, I, I I'm obviously saying all this to be true, whether people believe me or not, I know it to be 100% fact, but I've even had dreams, experiences where I, I was face to face with Jesus. And I, and I know I talked to Jesus uh, several times. And anytime that I have those experiences and I go to my parents and I said, hey, I had these dreams. Hey, I had to talk to Jesus. My parents said, yep, that was him. Yes, you are correct. And so I know that Jesus is real and it's so important for us to have a relationship with him. And so they're, you know, or just in general people, well, like I said, they'll, they'll connect, oh yeah, there's God within. And I say, okay, but also do you have that relationship with God? Do you have that relationship with who we are at our core? Do you have that relationship with that plus one that we're connected to? And, um, and that's to me, that's just the biggest thing is understanding that people can actually not just tune into it, because in 2015, I was connected to it. I felt connected to absolutely everything, but that was just the start. Because now it's actually having that back and forth relationship with who I am in my core. 
So if I was a Hindu and someone visited me in a spiritual way, I might recognize them as Krishna mm. or uh, another of the gods in the Hindu faith. It could have been the same character <laughs> mm. that talked to you. But in your upbringing and belief system, there's a name that you call it. But what does that name represent? We, not, we understand there's a real pot of consciousness there, a real uh, entity, but yet it's what that entity feels and, and believes. It's the love, it's the wisdom, it's the joy, it's the understanding, it's the uh, compassion. It's the, there's things that that character represents to you and me, right? And then... So the one thing is because even though I like I've dabbled in a few things, but I'd be lying if like I, I truly knew them to be, you know, like what what they all stand for. But another thing I said that I know I can only speak for the truth is that with my experiences with Jesus, I also know that, you know, Jesus died for us. And so that's something that I know that that's not necessarily just like a personified feeling of, of love or love or hope, but that's something that actually had happened and experienced and that's something that like I've even like felt to be true. So that's why I don't know other um, religions, philosophies, way of thinking, because I don't know if they actually know that to be true. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be like my biggest question, because like I said, I'm ignorant from what other people believe or, you know, whatever, what else is out there. But something that I know to be true is the fact that he had died for me. And that whenever I was saying, hey, I don't care about myself, here's my free will, hey, throw it up to you, then that's whenever I was healed. And then that's whenever the, you know, the fragment, the Christ, the plus one in me came to life. And since then, I've just been a different person. Right. So we have been given language hmm. to try to understand the things that happen to us or that happen to others. And so hmm. we read in the Bible that Jesus died. Is there more than one kind of death in the language of the Bible? Is there physical death? Is there, uh, can you be dead in sin? Can you be dead to sin? Are these different kinds of deaths? And what I'm getting at is some have taught that the death that Jesus died for you and me was not the physical death, but it was him laying down his will early in his life and saying, long before the cross, the physical cross, not my will, but your will. And that's the same death that you and I can go through, mm. where we lay down our, what some would call ego and, and all mm. these different things, and allow for the will of love to work through, or the will of, and we can call it God, or we can call it Jesus. I was actually thinking of uh, Siddhartha, who uh, later is known as the Buddha, and how he had all the desires he ever had were met uh, in wealth and uh, safety and, and all of the the things that uh, his culture could provide him. And he was behind the walls of the, of the palace. And then he went outside and saw how others lived. And 
uh, there was a change that began to take place. And he apparently uh, decided to sacrifice that past, that um, safety, that old self, uh, that ego. And we hear the story of him sitting under a tree for extended period of time and having, in a sense, uh, a rebirth. So it's that kind of uh, death and, if you will, uh, resurrection that has been so meaningful to Buddhists around the world. It's worth exploring in our language. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe we can have a further discussion uh, at a later time to, to explore it a little more, because I think it broadens your ability to connect in, in a, a global way. All right. Loving it. Loving you, Grant. This is a beautiful conversation. I'm glad to get to know you. We are kind of out of time. So I will say uh, to the audience, uh, uh, this is Grant Raphael. And by the way, is there some way that people could contact you that you would like to publicize? Uh, Yes, you can find me on Facebook, Grant Raphael. Uh, my website is grantHRaphael.com. Uh, people want to get in touch with me, they can, you know, add me, uh, send me an email at grantHRaphael at gmail. I uh, love talking to people. I love meeting people. So if anybody has any questions or just anything they want to say, I'd be, I'd love to get back to them. All right. So Grant H. Raphael, that's R-A-P-H-A-E-L, either at uh, gmail or dot com. And while people are doing that, we can still wear a mask and we can still be safe. So remember, folks, wherever you are, that is your world. So please leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it, because if it is to be. It is up to us. Take care. Talk to you soon.